love that God knows us so well, yeah, that he would be so brave, courageous, that he would interrupt man's church service (laughs) and all of our well-made itinerary and plans to come after us, yeah. God is a good God. He's a wonderful God. And I believe with all my heart the words that I spoke, the words that are in, that are written, that better better is one moment, <laughs> one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better around the brothers and sisters, yeah. People who have the same Holy Spirit living within them. Better to be in the courts with my brothers where iron sharpens iron than anywhere else. Because if I lack hope, I know I have hope. Yes, he lives within me, but I know that as I spend time with each and every one of you, God does a work in us. Amen? He's an awesome God. (sighs) Okay. I'm just going to reset for a moment, if that's all right. Um, God wants to continue to encourage us today. He just wants to encourage us today. Everything that he writes is written in love. Everything he writes is not as the world would suggest and many, unfortunately, some believers would suggest that it's a book of do's and don'ts. Everything he, he writes is his love on paper. Everything he writes is to bring us into correct and right relationship with him everything that he does that's why he sent jesus so that he could reinstate us as sons and daughters so that we can actually take up our position our god-given position you know seated in heavenly places with him yeah i love that about him it doesn't matter how dim a day may look and some days are much darker than others but when we refocus on him like if we truly refocus on him, then life's okay. Yeah, yeah life's okay. So we're going to continue in First Thessalonians because there's something that should give us joy. And that's the fact that Jesus has come, Jesus died, but he rose again. That should give us joy. And we should have an extra unction of joy because not only has he risen, we know that he, and he's gone back to heaven. We know that he's actually going, coming from heaven back down to earth. You know, a really basic doctrine in Christianity that we call the second coming that we never talk about. But in everyday life, particularly when we have no hope, that should be giving us hope. That he's coming back. He's, he's coming back for me. He's coming back for you. Man, that's exciting. No one's digging Buddha out of his grave. Probably take a lot of people. <laughs> Jesus has done it. Holy Spirit's done it. So, with that said, Father, have your way this morning. Bless us. Encourage us. Lord, continue to shape us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus, with ever-increasing glory. And everyone said, Amen. So chapter 4, verse 13 to 18 is where I'm reading from. And it starts off, Brothers and sisters, 
we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, and for many of us, depending on, on, on where you've stepped into your faith, I, I, I see nearly, I mean, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and nearly every 10 years I think, oh, I'm sure Jesus is coming back now. You know, with everything that's happening, you know, he's, he's so close, he's coming back. He may not come back uh, until after I'm gone. He may not come back until after my kids are gone. I don't know, but I do know this, he's coming back, yeah? According to the Lord's word, it says in verse 15, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. No favorites there. Uh, and... What I love about this, particularly verse 15, is, is Paul's trying to correct a misunderstanding that's happening. This is what he's, he's actually doing. And, and, and this misunderstanding was going around the church of the day. Because Paul's just trying to, to lay a truth straight. He's just trying to say, hey, this is actually how it is. The simple truth of what a Christian, what a, what a believer should believe in relation to the second coming of Jesus. Verse 16 reads, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, amen, with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And I love verse 18, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I've been a Christian 32 years I don't think I've ever had anyone except for someone preaching somewhere try to encourage me with these words and yet Paul's telling us telling us flat out encourage one another with these words I, I was preparing this sermon and I, I had just just finished you know copying and pasting some stuff about the dead in rise will uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. And as I copy and pasted it in my Word document, I got a text message. And I pick up a phone, and it's from from a friend of mine, and it says, "My dad didn't make it." As in his dad, not mine. But yeah, it's just, you know what? God wants this message out today. He wants to remind us of something today. He wants to stir up hope in us today. Yeah, He wants us to stand firm, to stand firm on the truth that you and I, we actually experience a resurrection ourselves. Yeah, We don't experience a reincarnation. We're not coming back as butterflies or slugs or dogs or chihuahuas or cats. Heaven forbid cats, that would, that's hell in itself. right? But we don't experience that stuff. We actually experience a resurrection when we go home to heaven. There's one truth today that you and I, believers, shall be raised. You're going to be raised. If today does anything, you should go out thinking, you know what? It doesn't matter how bad life is. It doesn't matter what I've faced, what I've gone through. It doesn't, you know, I've got a home that's assured that I'm going to. Yeah? Because you and I who are united with Jesus, that we're, we're going to be raised with Jesus. 
And I love the way that Paul starts by saying that he doesn't, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, right? He starts by saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed, really. Well, that's really strange, Paul, because you're using a double negative. You know, right? Any, any English teachers here? You ever notice that? I don't want you to be uninformed. Why didn't he just say that? Why didn't he just say, I want you to be informed? That's exactly what he's saying, brother. Because already there must have been somewhere some people that were actually uninformed, that were confused. And so he has to address it from the beginning. I guess ignorance in Christianity is is not a good thing, right? It's not a good situation to be in. You and I, we need to have some basic knowledge, some basic theology, particularly some, some stuff around the coming of Jesus. We should. So that when somebody asks, you can answer. And when you've run out of your answer, you stand on faith. We should have some. We just need to keep it simple. You know, there needs to be enough knowledge so we don't get too complicated. We don't try to be too clever, <laughs> you know. Because um, sometimes when you're too clever, you get confused and you f- really forget what's going on. But there needs to be enough knowledge of the second coming that like it says in verse 18, it's going to encourage us. If we can use that as encouragement, then we need to know it so that we can be encouraged by it ourselves. How else can we share it with anyone else? You know, we shouldn't ever, you and I should never forget the second coming. We shouldn't. It should be, I hate to use the word doctrine because our relationship with Jesus is an intimate relationship. But you know what? In that intimate relationship, that should be part of the conversation we have. How far away are you coming? You know, because I can't go anywhere without my wife ringing me or my son ringing me saying, how far away are you? Why? Well, because we need you to get this, 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 this. Or we need to be dropped off here, 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 here. There's always a reason. So I figured that in our intimate relationship with Jesus, we can say, hey, look, by the way, and he may not give you, and he won't give you because he doesn't know a direct answer, but at least we can have the discussion to say, I really, how far away are you? If he was coming for dinner, um, I'd be bitterly disappointed because he'd be in the flesh and not in spirit. And that means I've got him and you don't. So I'd be feeling sorry for you. So to continue. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue. The second coming, right? So, and then you and I, we, we can't be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. Because all of us, particularly, we just seem to be in a season where people I know have lost people we know. And if it's not... If it's not a child, it's a parent. And if it's not the mum, it's the dad. If it's not the dad, just people that are close to us, we just seem to be in a season where people have lost those that have faith. So the Bible would say, those who have fallen asleep. You know, do you remember the story where Jesus goes into the lady's home and someone's fallen asleep? Her brother, remember? And Jesus says, you know, she's not dead, she's sleeping, and everybody starts laughing. Like they all start laughing. Like, oh, no, no, she's not dead, she's asleep. It's not funny. Like, it's a serious matter. I'm not telling you it's not funny. I'm just saying, why were they laughing? Like, it's not an immature position. The mature position is to believe in the resurrection of the believer. So when Jesus said, she's she's not, you know, dead, she's just asleep, they should have automatically thought, rah, yes, the teacher, the teacher is telling her she's asleep. I should believe that. What it means, but, is that if a believer dies, 
So if you've had someone that's passed away, if you have someone that's close to death that believes, believes in Jesus, if they have died, they are asleep in Jesus. They are asleep in Jesus. I, I love that because, yes, they're asleep, but this is, this is the, the confusing part that you can't work out and, and, and it frustrates me that some Christians want to work it out because, yes, they're asleep, but for those that are asleep, they're already meeting Jesus because it happens immediately. It says in 2 Peter 3.8, it says, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. Yeah? And a thousand years are like a day. Have you, who's ever gone to the dentist? And, been, and actually, because you're fearful, because you're fearful like me, rather than a needle, get put to sleep. And when you wake up, you're like, have they started yet? And you find out after that it's already done. Yeah? Or, or you're at home and you're watching a movie and you fall asleep and you wake up and the movie's ended. And it's like, what happened to the movie? Oh, it's already played. It's already happened. For those that fall asleep in Jesus, yeah, when they wake up, they are immediately with him. It, even if there was time, there is no time in heaven like we know it here. Even if there was time, it's like they've just been asleep. They've woken up and the movie's already done. They're with Jesus immediately. Man, I love that. So if that's the truth, then we're not to grieve like the rest of humanity. You and I, we shouldn't grieve. We have to grieve. We can learn in our grieving, but, but we're not supposed to copy the unbeliever. We're not supposed to grieve the way an unbeliever grieves because they have no hope. They don't have Jesus. Yeah? If anyone in the world wants to call me a bigot, they can call me a bigot or biased or whatever the correct terminology wants to be when I say this, I know Jesus and they don't. So I mourn differently. You can't say that. No, I can because this book tells me and I actually believe it. Yeah, We don't grieve like those who have no hope because they don't have Jesus. So the church doesn't need to learn to grieve from the world which grieves with no hope. We grieve with hope. So you and I, you know, we grow. We, we, we understand the stages of grief, particularly if you've lost someone recently. We understand the stages of grief. It, it doesn't come and go and disappear just because those around us are no longer grieving or mourning with us. It continues, but it's different because in our grief, we have an eternal hope. And if the person we're grieving for was a believer, you know what? Well, we have an eternal hope because we know they are immediately with Jesus. And so in our grieving, we rejoice. Jesus is our hope, our sure hope. We, we need the cross, amen? And, and for you and I, if we actually have the right view of the cross, like the really right view of what he did. And the songs today were all about hope, yeah? The so Holy Spirit orchestrated the songs that we sang today, if, you want, if you're asking me, yeah? When we have the right view of the cross, all of a sudden we grow and understand and we have a sensitivity to the suffering of others. Because when we're aligned with him, our empathy grows but an understanding of people. I, I've shared recently, and I don't know why, 
But when people share with me their hurts, their pains these days, I know I cry a lot, but I sob. I, f I actually feel what they're going through. Those that are, are, are struggling with an addiction and they share it, I, I feel they wrestle, you know. And I think that the closer, the more, the deeper our, our, our intimate relationship with Jesus is, the more that we're formed and shaped into his image, the more we understand what he's actually done on that cross, the more sensitive we become to those that share with us their hurts and their pains. You know, we, we need the right view as a Christian. If we're going to live an abundant life and if we're going to be victorious, we need to also have a, a very clear and good picture of the resurrection because yes jesus died but he rose again because it's the resurrection that gives us hope doesn't it the hope that we need i love the fact that jesus goes to lazarus's tomb and he grieves it's the shortest verse in the bible he wept yeah jesus weeps because lazarus has died yet he knew that jesus you know he knew because he was jesus he knew that he was about to raise him from the dead you know, and, and so many of us have had you know, a lot of friends in life and family here at the church where, where we've lost loved ones and we're going to lose loved ones. It doesn't stop. We're going to lose loved ones. So we actually grieve together. We don't just say, it's okay, it'll be all right. Those words... As comforting as you think they might be, aren't comforting. What is comforting is when you grieve with them. And the better understanding we have of the cross, the more sensitive we are. And sometimes the best words are these. I have no words, but I'm here. I have no words, but I'm here. When I heard my friend's dad died, I drove straight to his place. I drove straight there. Mel goes, you need to go. I went. He wasn't home. How? rude was that <laughs> it was coming back from melbourne he'd learnt his brother arrived from another state his brother got off the plane his brother got a message from the surgeon that said your dad didn't make it in surgery and that's where he found out and they were driving back from melbourne so i did what every good italian did i went to the shop bought a coffee and bought lots of blocks of chocolate because they were on sale for 250 and then i went back to his house and i waited um, and I waited and I, I, I waited I waited some time and then as I decided to leave they were just rolling up and uh, it, we pulled up window to window I didn't even get out of the car and I just looked at them both and I said my condolences I have no words and um, the brother I've never met the brother before and he goes I can't even believe you're here he goes, thank you Thank you for just being here. And I grabbed my chocolate and I said, here, catch. Threw it through the window and his brother grabs it and goes, oh, Cadbury Marble, my favourite. And I was like, I threw the wrong one. <laughs> That's my favourite too, you know. Like, oh, well, doesn't matter. Threw the other one through the door and I said, look, I'm, I'm going home. You guys do what you have to do, but I just want you to know that I'm here. I'm really sorry, yeah. We grieve. We grieve with them. Yeah. I don't have to tell him it's going to be all right. At that point, it's not going to be all right. Two, three, four days later, of course it's going to be all right because 
his dad's already with Jesus. Yeah? His dad's already with Jesus. So we shed tears with them. We weep with them. We struggle with them. You know, we don't know what next year's going to bring. We don't even know what it's going to bring for each and every one of us, you know. But I do know this, is that when we face troubled times, and even when we face and walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it'll be okay. We'll fear no evil because he's with us. Amen. You know, thank God for the resurrection. I've shared here before, was it this year? This year I went to Adelaide, wasn't it, Mel? Sorry, I lose time. And I went for a cousin's funeral. And um, no offence intended, I'm putting it out there for those that are watching at home. Um, yeah, I've got to put the disclaimer out. Uh, Catholic upbringing, Catholic home, Catholic funeral. I had never, ever in my life been to something so life-draining and sucking. There was no joy there. There, there wasn't any great memory of my cousin, let alone the sure hope. You know, Catholic or not Catholic, I don't care whether you get into heaven with the hairs on your backside burning because you escaped the fires of hell or if you get there with flags waving as long as you get there, yeah? I know my cousin believed in Jesus but there was no joy that, you know what, she's now out of pain and she's with her saviour. That, that for me was the worst part of it. I loved catching up with the relatives because there we talked about her life and we celebrated her life and with her husband, you know, I was able to share just some things, you know, in relation to my faith and what I believe to give him some hope. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. Like we just don't. You know, there are plenty that are grieving with no hope. In fact, most of the world doesn't know Jesus and most of the world grieves with no hope. And I'm sure that my father, Abba, God, I'm sure he weeps tears for every soul that passes that has no hope. I know he does. Man, I know he does. Because he's created a way for us to be redeemed and restored made alive here and for eternity. You know, Paul, in his writing here, is so simple. He, he actually, it's like he's copying Jesus because Jesus is really simple in his writing. You know, Jesus taught so, so simply, clearly about the second coming. He, he just did. And, and I know that there are some that have gotten confused over the years, you know. They've not seen the forest for the trees. Some people literally get stuck in a hedge when it comes to the second coming. They get so immersed in details. Details that actually don't exist. Yeah? They've forgotten the overwhelming sense that you and I must have is simply this, our readiness for the coming of our Lord. And so Paul lays this truth out simply so that everyone can understand. Because once you understand, then regardless of what you and I face, we can actually stand firm in that truth. Well, first, this is why I should call it Thessy, shouldn't I, Pamela? First Thessys chapter 4, verse 14. It says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. It all comes back to the fact that Jesus died and rose again because you and I, we actually know what's going to happen to us based on the fact that Jesus is alive. Isn't that true? Like we know that, amen? Because he rose and he's alive, we know that when we go, whether we go when we're 10 or whether we go when we're 105, we know that absent from the body, present with the Lord. But I love that Jesus is alive. And then we know that Jesus is coming back from heaven to earth. Earth, earth, earth. I really got to get the THs out, don't I? Anyway, my kids struggled with them. It could be because of me, who knows. But verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Man, I love that. He's risen from the dead, got out of the grave, left the earth that killed him, and yet he's coming back to the place of his death to bring us life come on man that is so good jesus is alive he's coming back from heaven to earth and this this is for those of us that have lost loved ones that that have got a faith that believe in jesus the dead in jesus shall rise and it says that they will rise first for the lord himself verse 16 will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of an archangel with the trumpet call of god and the dead in christ will rise first that's not fair. I mean, they're probably saying it's not fair. At least you got to live your life. Yeah, but I had to pay my mortgage. You got out of yours, you know, like whatever the, the conversation is, but they get taken home to heaven first. Don't you love it? That though the angels are involved, because it says with the voice of the archangel, and, and even though there's a trumpet sound as well, you know, there's all of that, and yet God says, I'm still coming. You've got all that fanfare that should be enough for you, but I'm coming down from heaven to earth. He's coming down to take care of business. That I love. Yep. The Lord himself will take care of our departed ones, those who belong to him. We don't have to worry. Like We don't grieve like those who grieve that have no hope. We do not have to worry. He's going to take care of us if we believe in him. He's going to take care of them if we believe in him. And that's awesome. That's worth of praising him. That's worth of, of, of clapping him and just saying, man, you know what? The Lord himself is going to sort out this stuff for me. So when it comes to the safety and security of the believer, Father, God's just going to take care of us. So it doesn't matter what you're going through today. Father, God's going to take care of you. doesn't matter how hopeless you felt five minutes ago. Father, God is coming to take care of you. And he's coming to take care of you. The Son of God's looking out for us. And in fact, I believe he's looking out for every soul that has died and every soul that is living that knows him. No one will be forgotten. You know, there's often some um, interesting questions from Christians. You know, like, I'll start, what happens if they're burnt at a stake? What happens if they're thrown to the lions? What happens if the earth swallowed them up? In fact, are we allowed as Christians to be cremated? Can we be cremated? Well, here's my really simple answer for if you want to know whether you be, can be cremated or not. John the Baptist was beheaded and his head was on a platter for Herod and Heredius. I don't know how clean the cut was. Picture that yourself. 
whether you want, you know, right? There's his head. Then the scripture goes on to say, right, that the disciples in Mark chapter 6, they actually take his body to Jesus, the corpse. They take John's body. They actually take his corpse. It's an unusual phrase to describe a body when you've got a body, but the head, someone else has got the head. Because normally when you think corpse, you think the whole thing, don't you? Like normally. But you've got these two separate things. So John the Baptist's head and his body were separated. But let me share this, that when Jesus comes back, John's going to have his head back again. Yeah? And not only will he get his head back again, he's actually going to have a brand new spiritual body. So it doesn't matter whether you're cremated or not cremated, because when the time comes, you'll get back your head and you're going to get a brand new spiritual body. Because just think about all the believers legitimately at 9-11, all those years ago that were vaporized in a second. Does that mean that they don't share in the second coming because they're just dust? He's going to somehow knit us all together and no one will be lost. No soul will be lost. That's not a problem for God. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, how how do we grieve? How do we process the whole thing? Because grieving is a difficult thing. It can take time. But I want to say this, that God is going to take care of business. You know, someone here today needs, needs hope. And I don't know who you are. It might be someone at home, but the sense that I get is someone who's lost hope, God's going to take care of business. He's going to take care of each soul. No one will be forgotten. And you and I, believers, will be given a new body and our mansion is in glory. And you know what? The Bible says that we're going to be reunited with all the believers. Steve, I'm going to use you in a moment. I hope you're ready. There's there's going to be a loud command from heaven, yeah? There's going to be a a shout from heaven. The archangel's going to shout out, and it says the dead will be wakened. So the dead will be wakened. It says that we will be called. Those that are asleep are going to have the the, the sleep wiped from their eyes. Yeah, the alarm clock's going to turn off. You'll never be able to hit snooze again because that button won't work anymore, and we're going to be made alive with him more alive than ever before. So the trumpet will sound, will be the sweetest sound that you have ever heard in your life. And then there'll be this heavenly shofar sound. You know what? As heavenly as that sounds or doesn't sound to you, that, that's a battle cry. You've got to hear me. That's a battle cry. Heaven's armies are coming. We're being called up. The dead in rise shall raise first. And then those of us that are still around, he grabs us and we meet them in the air at the same time. Like it makes no sense. It can't be worked out because they died 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 10 minutes ago. And I'm still alive, I'm still preaching. And then when the time comes, we call it the rapture because believers in Jesus actually believe there's a second coming and that there's a rapture where he comes to get us. And when that heavenly trumpet sounds, we get taken. You know what? We don't grieve like those who have no hope because we've got a hope. Man, and every day we're being transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. So when we meet someone with no hope, you know what we share with them? Verse 18. 
I'm going to encourage you in this stuff. What, what do you mean? Jesus is coming back. He's alive. He's coming from heaven to earth. And in fact, even, even your loved ones that taught you the faith, they're going to be, they're going to be taken up as well. They certainly are with that sound. You know what? For, for, for us, we should be serving notice on the devil today. Like seriously. Like we be, should, should be serving notice on our enemy today that no matter what happens to us on the earth, no matter, you've, no matter, and that really leaves a lot of stuff that could happen to us on the earth. And that leaves a lot of stuff that we never want to experience on the earth. And you and I, some of us know some of the things that our, our, our brother and sister in the house have experienced. I don't want to experience that stuff, but no matter what happens to us on the earth, our destiny is to be with him forever and ever. That's the second coming of Jesus. You know what? That's what we rejoice in. That's what we stand firm in. That. People can talk to me about any other faith, any other, other religion. That's great. That's, look, it's not for you. I, I try to change your mind. You, you won't let me. I'll share my faith if you like, but I know this. I'm going home with him. You know, living believers get caught up in the air together. I just love that. After that, all who are still alive are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Man, just imagine if you came tonight. Imagine you're at home. In my home it would be Nathan's in his bedroom. He's playing his Xbox. I could be playing my Xbox. I could be counselling on my Xbox. Melanie's already said three hours earlier, I'm so tired, I'm going to bed. Right? She can't sleep because Samuel's in his room playing his electric guitar plugged into his amp with his 15 pedals. Right? Mum's asleep. That's okay. I just went in there five minutes ago. Five minutes ago, she's been in bed for like three hours. Nathan, no, no, I asked her to make me something to eat two hours ago. Right? So she doesn't sleep anyway. She just goes there in the hope, in the hope of sleep. And then all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden there's a rumble and, and we start hearing stories of, of those that are already asleep in the Lord, yeah, of cemeteries, of things cracking open and, and people raising from the dead. Like one would be freaking out, like I hope I don't miss out. Right? That's okay, dead first, we come second. So don't be afraid, okay? If those that are awake have gone and you're still there, be afraid. So anyway, <laughs> right? that's all happening. If we were in church when that was happening, Man, you know what? We would have every instrument on the stage. We'd have everyone singing, praising because Jesus is coming back. We'd get musicians that were retired that couldn't play. The, the worship team might actually give me a mic to sing for the first time in 12 years and we'd be praising God. No, you can't say no even in that. Like, you just can't. You know... We would be throwing a party. And, I, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I hate as a pastor. This is what I hate. Pastor, do you think it's going to be pre-tribulation? Or, or do you think it's going to be mid, you know, like a, a mid-trib? Or do you think it's going to be a post-trib? Do you think we're going to suffer? Or do you think we'll only a little bit suffer? Or do you think we'll a lot suffer? Well, what are you? I don't care. I just know that when it happens, I'm going home to him. So however it plays out, I'm going to play the game. However it works out. 
Do you know, Paul doesn't even talk about pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip. Why are there Christian believers everywhere trying to work it out when Jesus himself doesn't know when he's coming back? If Jesus doesn't know, why do men think they know better? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Don't do it. Don't go there. Don't confuse the matter. Because then you have it on television. Oh, at this date in 2023 at 11am on the 11th of the 12th, Jesus is coming back. Baba, no deal, didn't happen again. Lost some more believers that actually thought it was going to happen. I don't know, why, they, why don't I just stick to the truth? That he's alive, that he's coming back, that we're going to be taken with him, we're going to meet him in the air. Why don't I just stick to the simple truth that we're actually going to be together forever? Just love the Bible, amen. You know, when you get, and if you get confused about all of this second coming stuff, I have a very simple answer to that. Don't. Just don't. Stick to the simple truths that we're going to be with him forever, that our Father is going to take care of business. He's coming to take care of business. You and I, we just need to, to hold on to those. There was actually, believe it or not, there was five points that I rambled through. That the second coming and what will happen to us on that day, very simple truth. So here, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you believe in these truths, one at a time, if you believe in it, say amen. If you don't, no, you, I haven't even said it yet, Stephen, sit down. If you don't believe in it, don't say anything at all, but don't be surprised if the people around you are looking at you, but that's okay. We know who to speak to later. Yeah, but... We need to stand firm. We, we need to be able to nail our colours to the mast, yeah? Because this is what we're staking our life on. This is, this is the promise. If we can believe these things, then even when we grieve, we, we'll actually grieve with hope, yeah? With hope. Yes, we'll still grieve. Yes, there'll still be struggles, but we'll always have hope. So here's the first one, if you can say amen to. Jesus is alive. Jesus is coming back from heaven to earth. The dead, you don't have to repeat it. Amen's good enough. <laughs> the dead in Christ shall rise. Living believers, that's us, will be caught in the air. Amen. And we shall be together forever. I feel really sorry for the Christians that don't want to go to church because they don't like you or don't like me or don't like someone so they don't go because when it comes time, we're going to meet them in the air. I want to know if I'm still going to have the sanity to go, nah, 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 nah. We're going to meet them in the air. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Because if we do, that's a comforting truth. That's a comforting truth. Why don't we stand? I've got so much, I could keep going for another hour, but I won't. Some are saying, amen. Others are saying, oh, two people are saying, please keep going. It's a comforting truth. You know, the Apostle Paul was on board a ship and he was in, in, in the middle of what's called the Great Sea and in the middle of what's also called the Middle Sea. These days we call it the Mediterranean, yeah? And he's in the middle of this sea, in the middle of the storm that lasted two weeks and everyone's throwing up, no one had eaten. And it actually says that there was 276 people on board that grain ship. People stopped listening to the captain. 
people stopped listening to the Roman soldiers and people started to listen to the Apostle Paul because God had already shown him what was going to happen, but he was able to share a comforting truth. That Jesus is, yeah, narrative of hope, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back for us. And no matter what happens on this ship, yeah, we're going to be meeting him together in the air. That is a comforting truth. Man, I want to be like Paul. And you and I, the, the, that person or persons that have lost hope, you know, whether it's a death, whether it's a cancer report, you know, after you, you're reminded of your own mortality, you know, I'm reminded of it often just looking at my kids because they, they're growing so quickly. You know, I had a moment in the car the other day with Nathan just sharing, man, you know, I, every time I look at you, I must be getting old because I'm crying. And he goes, getting old, you think? <laughs> you think? I go, no, I'm seriously, I'm looking at you and Samuel, you're becoming men. You know, I, I just, I feel like I'm closing my days, so to speak. And he goes, well, you're nearly 70. <laughs> yeah, scathing, I know. But even, even when we have moments of feeling our own mortality, yeah, and our grandchildren might be taller than us and we don't, don't, we don't know what the future holds, I love this hymn. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, yeah? When we all see Jesus and we sing and shout a victory, some of you may never have sung that. We used to sing it at church, clapping our hands, you know. When we all get to heaven, what a day, what a day of rejoicing it will be. Yeah, when we all see Jesus yeah, and we sing and shout the victory. You know, happiness isn't in our teams, our drinks. Happiness isn't even in coffee. You quote me on that one. You know. Happiness is when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we look in his wonderful face. And, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Yeah, Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for the truth that you are coming back for your children. I thank you for the truth that you're coming back for those that are already asleep in you. I thank you that somehow they're already with you yet when the time comes we're meeting them at the same time with you Lord I, I love that mystery but I love that you love us so much that regardless of what we're going through Lord when the time comes no matter the voice of the archangel no matter the sweet trumpet sound of the shofar God I thank you that you are still choosing to leave heaven to come to earth to take care of business for us that's how much you love us and Father, this day, teach us to be a people that don't grieve with no hope, but rather grieve with hope. May we be a people that can come alongside those that are struggling with their hope to help give them that hope, a hope that is Jesus. So Father, this day, we give you all the glory, God. We give you all the honour. And Lord, we long for that day. What a day of rejoicing it shall be when we all, Lord, meet Jesus and we sing and shout a victory. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday, friends. Have a wonderful coffee in Jesus' name.